0: Good morning, everyone. The 9 a.m. is a little bit quiet most days, and so you could actually beat the second one if you'd like. Let's say that again. Good morning, everyone. So make sure that you're awake this morning. I woke up at 3.30 with today ruminating in my mind. I've been super excited, but also uh, nervous because uh, I never know what Matt's going to say about me. So, um, but. Something that Pastor Matt and I uh, have done every week in our mental health series is we want to offer you some resources here and there. Um, And so the first one I'd like to talk about is our suicide intervention seminar. If you would like to be better equipped uh, to intervene in a person's life who may be suicidal, um, I'd like to invite you to a a seminar that we are having here in this room, Tuesday night, January 31st from 7 to 8 p.m., Um, We've invited um, a chaplain from Houston, around the Houston, Texas area, named uh, Gail J. Yandel. Um, She's going to be teaching a class here all week. Um, But Gail is the director of training uh, for the International Fellowship of Chaplains. Um, But during this seminar, you're going to learn how to identify signs uh, that someone might be suicidal. You're going to learn how to talk to them, how to intervene and support them, and how and when to link them to care. Um, This is open to anyone because anyone... Uh, can respond to a person thinking about suicide when they are equipped with the right information. Um, And so uh, this type of information uh, could potentially save someone's life. And so uh, we invite you uh, to join us. Um, You can RSVP, I think, with that QR code there. You just face your camera, add it on your phone. Um, But I'd love to see as many as we can uh, get in this room uh, here on Tuesday night. The second uh, thing that we've been talking about every week is our U version. Bible app. Now, it's not ours, uh, but we've connected Relevant Community Church to it um, so that you can connect with other people in what they're reading in Scripture right here uh, with our church uh, body. Um, but in that, uh, you can join communities. You can join uh, reading plans with each other. You can share reading plans. And we've actually put a featured reading plan on there where you can read the whole uh, entire New Testament uh, this year. It takes about five, six minutes per day. And you can even post prayer requests. And people that are your friends on this can uh, pray for you as well. And people have been talking to me throughout this whole series. And so um, I've actually set myself a reminder uh, to pray at noon. And so every, every day at noon, the version Bible app says, hey, Jimmy, don't forget to pray. And then whatever I'm doing, I just start praying for people. And so it's been pretty awesome. But one that we haven't talked about yet that I felt a little bit pushed to talk about this morning is something called the Bark App. Um, the Bark App is meant for kids and keeping them, I don't know, safe. Um, keep track of what your, your kids are doing on their mobile phones, their computers, their mobile devices, um, who they're talking to, how much time they spend, but also uh, what they're talking about and what they are seeing um, because I mean, they're seeing a lot of things. And more things that we've ever seen uh, when we were uh, children if you're my age, Um, but they're not meant, it's not meant for micromanagement or manipulation uh, but for conversation and it alerts you um, throughout the day if there's anything medical going on uh, between texts or whatever or some kind of bullying or sexual content and it takes just a little bit to set up but uh, all my kids have it on all their devices, and so we don't immediately run to them as soon as we see something on there, but, uh, but it does set us up for some great conversations because we want to get ahead of their mental uh, well-being as well, and so I'd encourage you uh, to do that. Um, it's been super helpful for some great conversations um, in our family, and so uh, before we continue in our mental health series today, uh, I do need to clear something up in case I've left any question marks in your mind over the last couple of weeks. Um, if this is your first time here today, I'm sorry that you uh, may feel left out right now, um, but this is something that I really have to do. Uh, my wife said, I think you need to tell people, and so here we are. Um, but this week, I've realized that I've taken a lot of pictures of Pastor Matt. A lot. This is like 10 years worth of pictures of Pastor Matt. And if you've been here for the last several weeks, you've noticed that we've kind of bantered back and forth at each other. It's because we, we love each other. But over the last 10 years, uh, we've laughed, we've cried. Um, I've seen Matt cry. Uh, we've cleaned apartments together. That's always fun. We've gone skiing together. I've actually watched Pastor Matt sleep before. He goes to bed at like 6 o'clock in the evening and will punch you out if you sniffle the wrong way, um, but, but I've watched him sleep and we've worked out one time together. Uh, he caused some trauma in my life with that, but I also thought that we could express our love to Pastor Matt with a round of applause in this room if you love him like I do. There you go, Matt. There's some encouraging words for you. Uh, but again, we're in our fourth and final week of our mental health series, and if you're just joining us today for the first time, uh, we're glad that you are here with us. Over the last four weeks, we've been talking about the most common mental health struggles uh, today uh, because as we, as we all should know by now, uh, mental health struggles are very, very real. But we're talking about them here uh, because a lot of us in here struggle with these, um, whether that might be anxiety, depression, hopelessness, maybe something that happened a long time ago that just camps out in your mind, whatever it may be, we don't just want to talk about them. And acknowledge them and just move on, we want to actually provide you with hope. Because as we've talked about in week one, hopelessness is at the root of so many, if not all, of our mental health struggles today. And so if you can find hope, then you can find healing. And throughout this this series, our goal has been to point you toward hope, but more specifically, the God of hope, the maker of hope, the source of hope the provider of hope, Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. And so that he fills you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him. But so much that you actually overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And so even when your situation seems hopeless or someone you love is in that dark place, Nothing is impossible with God. There's still hope. And this is what God wants for you. He wants you to experience hope. But he never promises a trouble-free life. In fact, he warns us of just the opposite. He says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. And therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And for our light and momentary troubles, achieving us for an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so God, I just, I just want to take a moment and lift up every single troubled person in here today for who may be listening online, who might be listening to this later, and I ask that you reveal yourself to them in such a way that it breaks the chain of their depression, that it breaks the chain of their anxiety, and that it breaks the chain of their hopelessness, and that they find freedom and hope in you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. And so the rest of our time today, we're going to be talking about something that you may not hear frequently in the church world. Uh, I don't really know if I've ever heard this in the church world, probably because I'm, I've been here for 10 years, and this is the first time I remember really talking about it. Uh, but I bet when you um, hear the word trauma, you already start picturing something in your mind. I know when I was a, a younger, maybe in elementary, middle school, I loved uh, watching those emergency room TV shows like Rescue 911. Does anybody remember Rescue 911? I don't remember if it was like a Sunday night or a Monday night, but I got the theme song in my head right now. Kind of want to watch it later on Hulu if, if they probably got it there. But I love watching those crazy shows because something would happen where someone loses a limb and then there would be blood everywhere, and I loved it. I don't know if you're supposed to love that as a kid, but I did. Um, but trauma means something different to everyone. If you're a part of my grandpa's generation... Um, If you got hurt, you were told to just pick yourself up, get up, move on, be tough because it's good for you. And if you're in my generation, I would say that we're actually learning more and more and more about trauma and what it causes. But if you're part of the next generation or high school or college, I'd say that everything to you is trauma. If someone disagrees with you, trauma. Someone takes your phone, trauma. You wake up, trauma. Trauma. Uh, but trauma is different for everyone, it's, and trauma is unexpected, and it's different for everyone. It's not just physical, but there are wounds that go deeper, that never show up on the body, that hurt more than anything else that bleeds. And I know that many of you in here today have those kinds of wounds. That's why we're talking about this. You've endured something hard that you've never planned for or expected, a heartbreak, a loss, abuse, unexpected pain that's left you with some very painful words, uh, wounds that no one else can understand. Uh, and this is because of that we approach this topic with our prayerful heart and say that there is hope for your healing. And so I want to do two things today. First, I'd like to lay the groundwork for what trauma is. And the second thing I'd like to do is show you how you can pursue healing from your trauma because it's possible. It's possible. Now, whether you are personally affected by trauma or you know someone who is, this message is for everyone. But before moving on, I want to remind us all again that I'm a pastor. Matt's a pastor. You can choose which one is better. Um, but I know this is a complex issue, and it can result in some very complex scenarios and complex outcomes. There are, and there are stages and cycles that must take effect uh, when it comes to healing from trauma. And these stages are different for everyone. And we could never really touch on everything there is to know about trauma in 35 minutes, but we have to start somewhere. So if you're ready, say, let's go. Let's go. Awesome. Well, what is trauma? Uh, when people think about trauma, the majority of them would say that it's some kind of event, and it usually involves something physical. And now, while it can be physical, it can also be mental or emotional uh, and even spiritual. But with trauma comes pain. And if I were to give you a definition, which I will, uh, I would summarize trauma like this. That trauma is a psychological, another word for that would be mental, um, and I I don't even know if I put that on there or not, a psychological response uh, to an event or an experience that is deeply distressing or disturbing. Uh, Trauma isn't what happens to you, but How you respond as a result. And trauma affects more people than we might think. Uh, The experts, you know, Google and some stuff like that, they say about 70% of the American population has experienced at least one traumatic event in their life. And trauma is not the same for everyone. Trauma cannot be compared to another person's trauma because it's a complex issue. Which again, it's so important that we understand that there are wounds that we cannot see. And so if you ever wonder why a person is acting the way that they are, or maybe they're responding the way that they are to certain events, certain sounds, certain experiences, or certain people, it's possible that they have an internal wound that's caused by something outside their control that they are living with. And so we all have to be mindful of that. But when it comes to trauma, there's three main types of trauma. There's acute trauma, uh, cr- uh, chronic trauma, and complex trauma. And I'd say that really it's all complex, but what's the difference between the three? Let's talk about acute trauma. Um, and it's not a cute, because trauma is not cute. Uh, but acute trauma is a response from a one-time traumatic event. Uh, maybe you experienced someone breaking into your house and you feel violated, or you lost someone that you love unexpectedly. Uh, Maybe you've had some kind of medical issue or a recent diagnosis, and it's just kind of traumatized you, or you've had a complicated birth that traumatized you. My sister had a really, really complicated birth uh, that scared my whole family, and it scared her, and to this day, we still think about it when we think about uh, new babies. Um, Acute trauma can involve like a terrible car accident, uh, or a, a recent job loss, or you lost all your retirement suddenly. Or one day you found out that your spouse has been having an affair. I have a friend from uh, Missouri who, uh, whose son got the crud beat out of him in an alleyway one day. Um, so much so that you couldn't recognize him. And it was very traumatic for not only him, but for his parents. Um. But I think about those school shootings that happen all over the United States, but for those who survive the trauma that they're dealing with. Unfortunately, maybe you might have been raped when you were in high school or college. But Whatever it was, that horrible event was a one-time event, but the response was very traumatic. And that is what is called acute trauma. But there's a second kind of trauma that's called chronic trauma. And this is actually a long-term response or prolonged, repeated, uh, Prolonged, repeated response to some repeated events that just kind of keep going. Uh, This means that they've happened more than once. Uh, Some of you are raised in a home environment where you never felt safe or you were neglected. Uh, Maybe there was a drug or alcohol abuse uh, situation in your home. Or throughout your childhood, you were continually sexually abused by someone that that should have been protecting you. Uh, Maybe you were bullied all the way through high school. You know, when I, when I put that in my notes, I was thinking about uh, Elkhorn Public Schools. They have a zero-tolerance policy for bullying, and it's not just big guy picks on the, ye- on the yellow guy. <laughs> That's weird. I mean, they do pick. Matt picks on me. He's, like, a little bigger than me picks on me. But it's not that kind of abuse. It's not the big guy talk uh, beating up the small guy. Um, this is, like, this can go as far as... On social media, if someone finds out that someone is bullying someone on social media, that you notify Elkhorn Public Schools and that person's going to get expelled. I think it's genius because a lot of that stuff can happen on our social media accounts. But these are examples of what chronic trauma would be like. And then there's complex trauma. And complex trauma is a response uh, to multiple and ongoing events. This includes any of the combination of all of what we just talked about. But no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been through, trauma changes you. Now, if you've ever hung around with a trauma counselor or therapist, there's something that you're going to hear them say. And it's that you don't compare trauma because trauma is different for everyone. But trauma changes you. And so I want to tell you about something that's not as severe as some of the things that we have mentioned. But it hopefully helps us get the picture When I was in elementary school, um, many of you know by now, I think, that I lived on a farm and we had a big enough yard that my dad had to uh, use a riding lawnmower to get through it. Not talking about some of the West O people that have like a quarter of an acre and they still somehow fit a riding lawnmower in there. I'm talking like a six acre yard, right? Um, Well, one day I was playing outside because that's what you do when you live in the farm, you play outside. And my dad was mowing and then ran over a bee's nest or something because all of a sudden, out from underneath the mower deck and straight to my face came this ginormous bumblebee. And I'm not talking like the small thing. I'm talking like ones that are like this big (laughs) and they're black and they're yellow and they're fuzzy. And that thing stung me right in the face with like a three-foot stinger. It was insane. Like I could have ridden off with that thing. And my dad started laughing at me. And the bees started laughing at me. But that day changed me. It was traumatic. And now every time I cut the lawn, I remember that. If I see one of those bees, I freeze up and I tense, and I get goosebumps all over my body, and then I'm just done. I'm out, I'm done. Like, kid, go mow the yard. I haven't mowed the the lawn in like two years now. It's fantastic. Um, But really, if anything buzzes now, which I think is comical that God put buzzers on these flying things, I freeze, like one of those fainting goats that just pop over onto their backs. Like, that's what happens to me. Now, again, that was light, but hopefully you get the picture that trauma affects you and trauma changes you. Now, for you, maybe someone hurts you and now you don't trust anyone anymore. Or maybe you were bullied in school, and now you're almost paralyzed every time you walk through those doors, wondering what might happen to you. Or maybe you were sexually abused, and well, now that's just who you are. You're just a toy, and so you're giving yourself away to anyone. Or maybe just the opposite. Now you can't even give yourself to your spouse. Maybe something happened to you in a church somewhere, and now you don't trust anyone inside those walls, any leader that ever talks, or even God himself. What was once an outgoing, social, and loving life is now a life of isolation and depression and fear and pain because trauma changes you. And it's not fair. And it's not fair because although you weren't responsible for what happened to you, You're the one that's left to deal with the fallout, and it's painful, and it's shattered a part of you, and now there seems to be no way to move on from that. And you're so confused, and you're so mad, and you're so angry, you can't sleep, you can't eat, maybe you eat too much, maybe you drink too much, now you're on drugs, and it's not fair, because it's not what you envisioned for your life, and now you're living no life At all. And I know for some of you, this has left you with a feeling of embarrassment everywhere you go. Like it's your fault, or you caused it, or you deserved it. And for some, it leaves you with some very shameful feelings, or you're just gross. You might think you're worthless. And for some of you, you're just numb. And it hurts so bad. And you're stuck. But listen here. Until you heal your hurt, your hurt is going to hold you hostage. And it's not your fault. But it will hold you hostage. Now, I don't know where you are in all of this. But I want to tell you this, acknowledge something, that you aren't responsible for what happened to you. You're not responsible for your trauma. But I say all of the next part with a loving and prayerful heart that pursuing God for your healing is your responsibility. You're the only one that can make this decision. You're the only one that can make the decision to not stay stuck. And I want to tell you, don't let your yesterday rob you from what God has for you tomorrow. Here's the thing. The devil wants to use your pain to confuse you and to paralyze you and to keep you from moving forward. He wants to set up camp in your pain, and he wants to build like a nice, cozy campfire so that you stay there and so that you don't leave. He wants you to be stuck, and he wants you to stay upset, and he wants you to be so disturbed that you cannot think straight. Because he knows that when you can think straight, that that's where breakthrough happens. Because breakthrough happens in your mind. The battle isn't out here. The battle is up here. When you make a decision to move forward in your mind, although it's difficult, everything else starts to follow. Your mental health is where the devil sets up camp. So you can't let him win. you got to burn down his camp. You aren't responsible for what happened to you and what it caused, but pursuing God for healing is your responsibility, and you can do it. And this room is full of people who have, who have done it. And you know what they've always told me when they get to the other side? They all say the same thing. They all say, it was so hard in the moment, but I came out stronger on the other side. And they say, although it was a painful uh, process, I found purpose in my pain. I bet personal trainers love that statement. Jeff, there's purpose in your pain. Personal trainers are actually traumatic for me because they make you do things that you don't want to do. I should probably go visit one again. But you're not responsible for what happened to you, but pursuing God for your healing is your responsibility. And so for the next several moments, I want to show you what it's going to look like to pursue God for your healing. Because when you're ready, you know what it's going to take. And depending on the trauma, this can take a very long time for some of you. Healing from trauma is not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's not all the same for everyone, but I promise you if you do the work, every single step you take is another step toward your healing and another step toward your freedom. And so I want to ask you a question. Do you want God to heal you? Here's what it's going to take. The first thing you have to do is you have to admit your pain. You have to admit it. Some of you are walking around in here and all throughout life as if nothing ever ever happened, hoping it will just go away. But trauma doesn't just go away. Ignoring it will just delay your healing. But you're like a walking time bomb. Some people try to cope with their pain by just stuffing it and stuffing it and stuffing it. They're like a walking time bomb and there's no telling when they are going to explode. And let me tell you something that I've learned and I've watched with my own eyes from people. If you don't deal with your pain... Your pain is going to deal with you. So you have to admit your pain because if you don't, your body will naturally start admitting it for you. And things like panic attacks and breathing issues and digestive issues and heart issues, our bodies keep score of our pain. And so you have to admit your pain by taking it from your mind and letting it come out of your mouth You have to say it out loud, and you have to begin talking about it. But again, delaying your admission only delays your healing. You have to tell a friend. You have to tell a parent. You have to tell a pastor, your small group leader. Tell me something, but tell somebody. Now, everyone I know who is trapped by the unexpected pain said that their first step toward healing was just that, just saying it out loud. So you got to talk about it. you got to get it out. Now, the second thing that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to to process your pain. And this is very scary. Well, what does that that mean? What does it mean to process my pain? Well, that means that you're going to have to start to unpack it. You're going to have to face your pain head on. And this means you're going to have to start processing your thoughts and facing your emotions and facing your worries and facing your fears. You're actually going to have to get to a point where you actually embrace your pain. So that you can engage with your pain. And this is scary because oftentimes you have to go back to the past in order to be moved to the future. Because trauma can produce false guilt, false shame, false identities, false futures. And then we can easily start creating lies in our minds about ourselves, about other people, and about our surroundings. But Jesus wants to set you free from that. But in order for you to do that, you have to process your pain. You have to begin to understand the layers of your pain so that you can uproot the lies that you've started to believe. And you have to uh, start turning them into truth and get back to reality. You have to ground yourself. But here's the thing you cannot do this on your own. You can't do this on your own. You need other people to help you. The problem is, when we're hurting, instead of of taking our pain uh, to some people that we trust, we often push those trusted people away in order to protect ourselves. But this is just the opposite of what we need. Just like you are not transformed in isolation, your healing doesn't happen in isolation. This is what the body of Christ is for. But you can't do this by yourself. We process in community, and we heal in community. Now here in just a few minutes, if you're willing to take it, I'm going to give you a next step you can take because we have teams of people who want to help you process your pain. We have people who have been there and know what it's like to walk through the most darkest places. People who have found hope and healing by processing their pain with others, And we're connected to different ministries around town who specialize in trauma. And we know a lot of pro- uh, professional counselors and therapists who we trust that we'd love to connect you with. But before we go there, I just want to say something. There's been something that has been weighing on my heart the last several weeks. Like, real heavy. Um, and it's actually been... Uh, weighing on my heart my mind since week one of this mental health series. It was a passage that Pastor Matt used at the very end of his message when he was talking about how to find hope. You might remember it in week one. It says this, Be still and know that I am God. And this has been ruminating in my mind almost daily. I'd hear, be still. A little bit later, be still. A few days later, be still. And I'd be laying in my bed and I'd hear, be still. And I'm like, I am being still. How much more be still can I be? And I'm going to have so many 3.30 a.m. moments this week. Be still. It's just gotten louder and louder and louder. And so what a pastor should do, I did. And I finally reread that passage over and over and over And I started looking deeper into what it meant, and I discovered something about those two words that about knocked me out of my chair. Pastors, we we still learn things to this day, so this was something that I learned. And so I called Pastor Matt so that just in case I was wrong, that we would be wrong together when this comes out of my mouth today. And so, as Scooters, we we looked at the Hebrew text. Look at the definitions. We made some Hebrew sounds together, like, talked like that. Um, but when you dig deeper into the meaning of these two words, be still, you'll find something that goes far deeper than just being still or sitting there. Be still includes this meaning let go. Let go. Let go and know that I am God. Well, let go of what? And it hit me. This is key to this whole series and all of our mental health battles that we will face. We have to let go of like, well, everything. Everything we try to latch on to, we got to let go of that. And if you really study this passage in its context, you'll learn that it was written in the context of a battle and with a war, with enemies all around. Be still does mean quiet down, but it's more of a cease striving. Or more specifically in this context, stop fighting. Like, wake up, give up, and stop fearing. And then... Acknowledge who your God is and be in awe of him and let him do the work. You see, we've, been, we've all been hurt. And when we're hurt, when we're afraid, when we're depressed, when we're anxious, when we aren't sure of our future, when things start to get a little bit shaky and uneasy or those, those things that seem to be crumbling right before our eyes, this can all lead us to fear. And what's the human natural response to fear? What's protection? And how do we protect ourselves? Well, we try to control everything. Why? Because the feeling of control is a basic human need. But you can't control everything. You shouldn't control everything. You don't want to control everything. Because trying to control everything, every circumstance, every person, every moment will drive you crazy. Because the more that you try to control, the more that there is to lose control. And the more that you lose control, the more that you try to control. And eventually, your house of cards will start to fall. And what's even worse is that for some of us, at some point, you'll even start trying to control things that have nothing to do with the part of your life that made you feel badly in the first place. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible cycle of fear. So what do we do? Be still. We cease striving. We stop fearing. And we let go and we let God do the work. The prescription for control is surrender. Surrendering your, your past, surrendering your present, surrendering your, your future, surrendering control of everyone else and their feelings, surrendering the control of the outcome of your situation, surrendering control of other people, surrendering control of the person that hurts you. You're in control of the decision that your child might make, or maybe that medical issue that you've been recently diagnosed with. The prescription for control is surrender. But this is hard because, well, then who's going to handle all these things? Well, God says just be still and surrender and know that I am God. But you don't just surrender them and give them and give up on them. You surrender and give them up to God. And and then what? Here's the beautiful thing. He will fight for you. When you feel scared, when you feel hopeless, you be still and you let go. In those moments of depression, you be still and you let go. In those moments of panic and anxiety, you be still and you let go. And in those moments of that unexpected pain and trauma, you be still and let the God of hope fight for you. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the most high dwells god is within her and she will not fall god will help her at the break of day and nations are an uproar and kingdoms fall he lifts up his voice And the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire and he says, be still and know that I am God. And so as we come to a close on our topic today, and really for this whole series, I want to ask you a question. Where do you need to let go and to surrender control? Here in just a moment, uh, Misty and Andrew are going to come back out and they're going to close our series with a song. And during the song, I have something for you to do. And I want to ask that nobody gets up at this moment uh, because sometimes that gets distracting for people who are really trying to ponder things. Um, But I want to circle back with those who feel like their lives have been shattered. And I want to tell you this that your life isn't forever broken. It might feel like it, but it's not. So don't let your yesterday rob you of your tomorrow. And we like to help you, we want to help people. That's what we do here, right? We want, to do, we want to do that. We want to help people. So I want to ask you, if that's you and you're stuck, will you text me? You're like, I don't have your phone number, Jimmy. You're right. You don't. So what I did, a lot of people have this phone number. You text Jimmy to 55444. And that's going to lead you to a form where you can just type in there where you need some hope we're connected to some awesome people and resources that have made their life's purpose to help people like you who are stuck and i want to connect you to them and so will you text me and actually if you're sitting out there and you've actually gotten past a lot of this stuff maybe you need to help other people find hope we need you to step up again you can also text me at text jimmy jmmy at 55444 because we need as many people as we can to help others, and we will train you how to do it. But back to my question, for all of us, where do you need to surrender control? Now, if you've never made the decision to put your faith in Jesus, that would be your, st- your first step. Maybe you need to surrender control of your life to Jesus, and you can do that today. Uh, during this song, you can pray something that sounds something like this. God, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I can't do this on my own. I need a savior, would you be my savior? And will you be the forgiver of my sins and be the leader of my life from this day forward?
1: So today, if I hear you speak, I don't need an explanation. If you tell me, move, I don't need the destination. What's been promised, I will believe. I'm still walking with you, you're still walking with me.
2: see us through
1: As a deliverer, if I know one thing, our God is going to see.